Chapter 1 of St. Joseph of Cupertino. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. St. Joseph of Cupertino by Rev. Angelo Pastrovici. Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lang. Chapter 1. The Supernal Vocation. Cupertino, the birthplace of our saint, is situated on the peninsula of Apulia, halfway between the Gulf of Taranto and the Strait of Otranto. In the 17th century the town belonged to the province of Otranto, kingdom of Naples. But few particulars are recorded regarding the parents of St. Joseph, Felix Disa and Francis Panada. Felix was a carpenter. Kind of heart he had given security for the debts of others. As often happens, the debtors defaulted and the creditors seized Disa's house, and would have had him imprisoned had he not fled to a holy place, which enjoyed the right of asylum. Meanwhile, the mother of our saint fled from her home and, unable to reach the house of a friend, took refuge in a stable. Here on June 17, 1603, a child was born. He was baptized in the church of Our Lady of the Snow and received the name of Joseph Mary. As a child, Joseph was a spirited lad and inclined to anger. His mother strove to repress his, his exuberance of spirit and all manifestations of undue boldness by stern rebuke and kind admonition. She was so severe that in after years... The saint used to say he needed no novitiate as a religious, because he had passed a novitiate under his mother. These efforts of the pious mother bore abundant fruit. Joseph delighted in visiting the churches of his native city. At home he erected a little altar, before which he spent part of the day and the night reciting rosaries and litanies. At the age of eight he experienced his first ecstasies. When at school he would hear the organ or the songs the teacher practiced with the more advanced scholars, he would let his book fall and remain immovable with eyes raised to heaven and lips parted. Owing to this, his companions called him Boca Aperta, open mouth. About this time, Joseph was afflicted with painful ulcers. This trial he bore with extraordinary patience, seeking no other relief than the consolation of Holy Mass. Unable to walk, he entreated his mother to carry him in her arms to the church every morning. A hermit of some repute as a healer, who lived near the Church of Our Lady of Grace in Galaton, endeavored to cure the child by employing the surgical means then in vogue, but to no purpose. Long neglect had seemingly rendered the malady incurable. After four years of suffering, God intervened. One day, when the hermit had applied to the ulcers, some oil taken from a lamp kept burning before an image of Our Lady of Grace, the boy suddenly felt relieved from all pain. With the aid of a cane, he was then able to walk from the Church of Our Lady of Galaton to Copertino, a distance of nine miles. Before his cure, he could visit the hermit only by lying helpless on a horse led by his mother. It need hardly be said that the boy showed his gratitude by an increased love of God and greater zeal in his service. In his youth, our saint was apprenticed to a cobbler. Cardinal Brancati has recorded many of the pious practices of this period of Joseph's life. Such were his frequent visits to various churches, assistance at Holy Mass, and the wearing of a painful chillis. He abstained from all flesh meat and contented himself with vegetables, which he seasoned with wormwood to give them a bitter taste. His fasts were so severe that he would at times abstain from all food for two or three consecutive days. His body was thus weakened, but his spirit was so lifted up to God that, when asked why he had eaten nothing, he would reply with charming grace, I did not think of it. With the years there grew upon Joseph a desire to leave the deceitful world and unite himself more closely to God. Feeling a great attraction to the order of conventuals, he applied for assistance to his paternal uncle, Father Francis Disa, a religious of that order. This priest, however, regarded his nephew as unfit for the exalted dignity of the priesthood, 
because of his lack of education, and was unwilling to assist him. In spite of this refusal, Joseph persevered in his resolve to enlist under the banner of the Holy Patriarch, St. Francis, whom to follow he felt called by a continued inspiration of God. He therefore humbly requested Father Antony of Francavilla, provincial of the Capuchins, to receive him into the order as a lay brother. His request was granted, and he received the habit, taking the name of Stephen in the monastery at Martina in August, 1620. The path of the novice was beset with difficulties. He was employed in the kitchen and refectory, but displayed a woeful lack of ability. At times he could not distinguish wheat bread from rye bread. Often he broke dishes by letting them fall, upset pots and putting wood on the fire, and committed other blunders of a similar nature. Some have ascribed this awkwardness to a defect of sight. Another and truer explanation is that his surroundings inflamed him with the fire of divine love to such a degree that his soul was continually enraptured. God, whose ways are wonderful, permitted that after a trial of eight months, Joseph was dismissed from the novitiate and deprived of the habit. This pained him so much that in after years he said, It seemed to me as if my skin was torn off with the habit, and my flesh rent from the bones. Little care had been taken of Joseph's secular apparel since his investment. His hat and shoes and stockings were not forthcoming, and bare of head and foot he set out for Vichara, where his uncle, Father Francis Disa, was then preaching the Lenten sermons. By thus avoiding Copertino, he meant to escape ridicule and reproach. On the way he encountered great dangers. A number of savage shepherd-dogs set upon him. The shepherds came to his aid, but, owing to his unusual guise, suspected him of being a spy of the banditti, and were about to lay violent hands on him when, fortunately, one of them recognized him. They then spoke kindly to him and gave him some bread. Finally, a horseman of terrific form appeared to him with a sword in his hand, crying, Halt! Spy! as if he were a spy of the royal government. Hardly had the saint gone a few steps farther when, on turning about, he found the rider had disappeared from the vast plain, and said to himself, It was Malatasca, a name also used by St. Catherine of Siena to denote the evil one, who wished to frighten me and drive me to despair. On his arrival at Vecchara he prostrated himself before his uncle, and patiently bore his reproaches of good-for-nothing and vagabond. To his uncle's query as to his strange attire and visit, he replied in simple humility, the Capuchin fathers have taken the habit from me, because I am good for nothing. Moved by compassion, his uncle kept him till Easter, which in that year fell on April 11th, and then secretly brought him to Copertino. Joseph bore with invincible patience the upbraidings of his mother, who treated him with apparent severity, but in her heart loved him dearly. With tears she besought the civil authorities not to imprison him, because of the debts of his father who had died. Assisted by Father Francis Disa, Father John Donatus, and other friars of the convent at Grotella, she finally obtained his admission as tertiary into the order of conventuals. To Joseph the investment as tertiary was a source of happiness, even though he was employed in tending the mule and in other servile occupations about the monastery. After some time he was appointed associate of his maternal uncle, Father John Donatus, a religious of great piety and learning. His new duties served to augment in his heart the flame of divine love. When he was set out to gather alms for the needs of the monastery, the people were moved by his poor habit, his modest conduct, the charm and simplicity of his words, and so gave freely and generously. At the same time he aroused in them a horror of sin, zeal for virtue, and love of God. Within the monastery his life was one of humble perseverance in lowly and fatiguing labor, and of ever-ready obedience at the word, or even beck, of each religious. To mortify his body he wore not only a chillis, but in addition an iron chain about his loins. He fasted strictly without intermission, 
and to gain more time for prayer slept but little and this on a bed which consisted of three rough boards a much-worn bearskin and a rough pallet of straw god's design was that joseph should become a priest in the order of conventuals the religious regarded the pious tertiary with favor and at the provincial chapter held at altamira he was received into the order as a cleric june nineteenth sixteen twenty five he retained his baptismal name joseph and joyfully began his novitiate in the monastery at grotella with great earnestness he endeavored to live for god alone and to acquire the knowledge necessary for the priesthood he attained to a high degree of perfection by his withdrawal from all association with men in order to commune uninterruptedly with god in meditation other means which he employed were humility patience and obedience regarding himself as the most despicable sinner on earth he often said he had received the habit out of pure mercy he patiently bore the severest reproaches for faults he had never committed with alacrity he executed the most difficult and seemingly impossible tasks which his superiors imposed on him to probe his virtue to this obedience was added severe mortification of the flesh in short the practice of all virtues which in time led his fellow religious to consider him as a model of holiness in studies joseph made but little progress and was therefore often harshly rebuked by his novice master to whom he would reply have patience with me you will thus acquire merit in spite of his poor progress in learning he was admitted to solemn vows because of his great virtue and made his profession amid tears of joy trusting in god and his holy mother whose powerful aid he had frequently implored he received minor orders without previous examination january thirtieth sixteen twenty seven subdeaconship february twenty seventh of the same year and deaconship march twentieth the examination on the latter occasion he passed in a providential manner for the passage of the gospel beginning with the words blessed is the womb that bore thee which the bishop of nardo gave him to explain was the only one he had learned by long study and could well interpret he was finally ordained priest march twenty eighth sixteen twenty eighth by the right reverend john baptist detti bishop of castro this prelate was so pleased with the learning of the friars whom he had examined first that he considered the others among whom was joseph to be equally well prepared and ordained them without examination End of chapter 1